Hello and welcome to a special series of Block Talk, which we're calling Block Talk Explores. These quick listen episodes will be split by topic area, as our guests, who are all industry leaders in Scotland, will be discussing three specific industry topics. Topic number one is education and awareness of the industry and what property factors do. Number two is recruitment within the industry and any challenges that we that they see. Um, and the third one is customer care. Um, we'll release two episodes in week one and the third will be released the following week. We hope you enjoy the series and as always, it would be great to hear your feedback. Welcome to a special series of the Block Talk podcast, Block Talk Explores, with me, Brian Welsh. Today's guest, who is an industry leader in Scotland, is David Doran. David is the Managing Director of Hacking and Patterson Management Services and also a fellow of the Institute of Residential Property Management. Um, so, moving on to recruitment. Um, now, you know, we've done a couple of these and... and um, you know, recruitment, I, I think recruitment in the UK is a challenge anyway, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you know, we have a challenge to recruiting developers and, you know, and, and I think everyone would say they've got some sort of challenge there. So could you tell us about your experience with recruitment? Um, I think as with everything, it is a challenge, but I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Um, I think if it wasn't a challenge, I don't think we would be bettering ourselves in terms of the the people that we're bringing in or the people that we're retaining. Um, I think pre-COVID, uh, there was a lot of people in the industry, a lot of people in the market, you know, a lot of people coming for interviews. Um, mm -hmm. Part of that was on the back of a lot of people leaving universities with degree and not being able to get roles in their, their designated qualification. Um, span forward three years to post-COVID, I would say I think the first year after COVID was extremely difficult. I think um, yeah. people got themselves into a a place where they seen I don't know what premature benefits of of not working in in, in a sense or to be you know we hear of okay. people at the age of fifty five retiring sooner than they would have beforehand because they've experienced what it's like not to work through COVID and thought yeah. you know what I, I can live like this I can reduce my outgoings, I can reduce my way of life and, and actually not work. So that's that's one area of the recruitment market that, that you've lost in certain aspects. Um I think also people are people's attitudes to work have drifted. You know okay. um in terms of perhaps maybe the younger ones who don't have the same attitude to work or to yeah. the, the drive to work. Um, and again, we're talking, we're not talking everyone here. I think we're just kind of generalizing that COVID still has a lot to answer for until I think people are still recovering from, from COVID in terms of how they see their, their lives going, you know, where they yeah. see themselves going and what they want from their life. Um, but from a, from a recruiting staff, from their point of view, has always been 
certainly in the last couple of years, it, it's it's more of a entry level recruitment problem rather than okay. as people come in and, and progress through their their career. Um, yeah. I think that's where we're seeing we're seeing changes in um, what people are looking for. You know, they're not looking to come in with with a career in mind. They're coming in short term goals, looking to come in, move, progress quickly without really thinking about what that means and what what's needed to to get that progression. Yeah, you know, they're just okay. they're, they're just looking very very short term. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. It leads me a wee bit on to the next question, actually. So we did a podcast with um, Malcolm and Zoe about recruitment recently, and there was a whole raft of stuff came out of that. Um, one of them was, one of it was um, working from home, flexibility, um, which we've had different views on with the people we've spoken to already on this subject. Um, the other one was that, you know, and um, you're a lot younger than me, so I'll use me as an example, but, you know, block management companies, I mean, I guess these guys' experience was more in England and Scotland, but I guess you can you can, you can take across the UK. Their experience was, you know, 20-year-old person, 50, let's use me as an example, 53-year-old guy who doesn't wear a suit anymore, but you know what I mean, grey hair, do they know how to deal with or engage with and motivate kind of um younger younger people and in fact i i was listening to a podcast and it was stephen bartlett um who i occasionally listen to and simon sinek who i i do listen to a lot and i'm um, and read a lot of his stuff and simon was arguing that you know they, these what they call gen z well gen z in the uk um um they want uh they want they want it to be about them and they don't they jump about because they'll go somewhere now and they'll jump yeah. somewhere else then they'll jump somewhere else they'll jump somewhere else well if that was if that was a cv that that cv wouldn't even make it into our organization in cpl because hell and our head of people and culture would go nah sorry too jumpy yeah don't want to do that um you know even if someone's been in a job for 10 years and then jumped five times you know they've not found a place yet you know it's a risk but the other thing was that simon sinek's argument was that you know this person's going to come into a job and they actually don't know what it's like to be in a job for two years to actually learn that full job. Because you're six months in, you've not learned a whole job. So I don't actually know what it's like to work, you know? So anyway, I'm talking a lot now, but, but, you know, it was these sort of challenges that that they were talking about in that, that podcast. I just wondered what your views on it were. Yeah. I listened to the the, the previous, um, podcast with Malcolm and Zoe and um you know I know Malcolm I've been working with Malcolm quite closely in the IRPM uh, qualification and and I listened to him down in London at the IRPM conference um ah, last week yeah. or two, two two weeks ago um and a lot of what they say is is is, is accurate and, and you know there was a lot of talk about it being the facts the facts of the situation what I don't see is is, is recruiters looking at the employer's needs yeah, you know, you know, when I when I was listening to uh, that podcast, you know, the top three, I think the top three things that they talked about that staff were looking for was increased holidays, um, what was it? increased holidays, flexible working when they decide they want to work, and a bonus. You know, and I suppose that's a nice way of saying they they don't want to work as much. Uh, they want to work when they want to work, and they want more money. 
Now, I understand that, and absolutely, who doesn't want that that scenario? But what what I don't ever hear is is the employer's point of view as to why that doesn't always work, you yeah. know. And from our point of view, we look at it from our customers' point. Of, you know, at the end of the day, we're a customer service driven industry, customer service driven business, and we need to satisfy that customer base by having suitable amount of staff. So when when we talk about um, you know, staff choosing when to work. Well, that doesn't always, you know, that doesn't suit the customer. They're not thinking about, well, when does the customer need us? You know, you know, and as a business through, through history, we've worked out, well, the hours that we operate within are when we're able to offer our customers the best service. And that seems to work well, you know. But if we start looking at them down to a four-day working week, for example, which is um, the, the, the end thing at the moment, well, that's 20% less your customers have access to us or yeah. we need to increase our staff by 20%, yeah. you know, and, and therefore does the customer's cost go up by 20% to match that? You know, so I, I don't think most employers are just sitting going, no, I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving you more holidays. I'm not being flexible when you want because it, it, it doesn't suit them or, or it's financially related. I think they're looking at the bigger picture and saying, well, actually, this is what our customer needs. And without our customers, we actually don't have a business. So by us modeling our business and how it operates around what the customers need, that actually protects the employee. Yeah. It, protects their, it protects their job. You can look at it even further. You know, it, it protects the industries around about us. You know, it protects the, 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 the local news agent or the local coffee shop where you've got people coming in and out of offices. Yeah. you know, as well. So there's a, there's a bigger, I think there's a bigger social construct that, that isn't considered when we're looking at, you know, because I heard statements like employers are behind and employers that, that, that refuse to change or refuse to adapt, you know, will be left behind. I'm not sure they can be because we're all playing towards the same customers. You know, we're all trying to mm -hmm. achieve the same service to customers. So I think um, whilst there's a lot of merit in what is said, I think the whole flexible working absolutely we need to be flexible but as a as a business we we, we can't have everyone off a Friday and Monday which is predominantly where flexible working requests come in they want to be off a Friday or a Monday you yeah. know so you can't have everyone off a Friday or a Monday you know so yeah. there, therefore the, the, there has to be a balance between what employees want and what the the, the, the customers need um, mm -hmm. and and as as business owners we we are the the bad guys that need to kind of make those decisions and look at the bigger yeah. picture um, and are sometimes criticised because we are saying, well, no, that doesn't work here um, or it doesn't work up there. Um, we, we've we've talked a lot about home working as well um, yeah. and our views. And, you know, we have a very young business. You know, when, it, when you were talking about, you know, is this the view of the older generation? You know, the average age, um, the average age in our factory company, or fact, well, the board of directors, our average age is 45. Right. You know, our senior leader team average age is 46. Our team manager average age is 35. Right. And our, our assistant property manager average age is 31. Yeah. So we have a we have a very young organisation compared to what's being discussed in terms of old age. And, and at this moment in time, we don't have anyone working from home. Okay. Um, um, on the basis that we are a very team-orientated business. 
um, and a team-orientated customer-facing business. And we found through COVID that we quickly found that certainly the, the customer-facing side of the business, they needed their teams, they needed their colleagues, um, yeah. and they needed their colleagues to, to see them when they thought they weren't being seen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you, know, yeah. you know, so when they're on the call to the difficult customer, you know, and they themselves are getting upset, there's somebody sitting beside them that can see that and, and can step in and can help them and can coach them. And we, we just felt that the homeworking in that aspect just, just really didn't work. And we've seen a deterioration, not necessarily in productivity or, or any of that, um, but it was more in, in, in the emotional state of people. And, and how they were able to cope with their work because you know there was a, a, a again during that podcast there was this talk about people don't want remote working and it's a trust thing you know it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth we we, we have a we have a great band of, of 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 people a widespread band we were away for a um a kind of team building day on friday to, to our doc in loch lomond uh, and made a hundred odd there and you know we put them into mixed team and every single person engaged in it, joined in and had fun and, 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 and interacted with each other. Um, and to me, that's more what it's about. I think, you know, you get far more benefit from that kind of thing than, than sitting in a Teams meeting twice a week, you know, asking people mm -hmm. how they are. Um, I, I, I find that COVID has quickly eradicated what all the experts used to talk about. You know, and now because of COVID, we're, we're now into this social social media buzzword of remote working. And whereas before COVID, it was sixty six percent of communication is non verbal. Yeah, you know, you know, and that just seems to have gone out the window. You know, yeah, because we can speak to people on the phone, we can email them, or we can sit and look at a face on the screen. Now, that compared to sitting across the room from someone or or speaking to a customer face to face shows you that you're only getting 44 percent of the benefit of that conversation mm -hmm. you know so the, we we looked at all of these things and uh our staff seem to be touch wood very very you know happy with with the approach that we've taken our, our staff churn is low compared to you know it's, i think over the last two years it's been about 16 percent you yeah. know which isn't high um 82% of that 16% is at entry level, staff level, which which right, goes back okay. to what you were talking about, I which just, people are coming in for six months, flitting yeah. approach. But um, to me, flexibility is, is a different animal. To me, flexibility is working around people's needs, you know, helping people when they're in time of need, um, setting your working week in a way that it's not, you know, they're not working lots of overtime or any overtime. You know, the IRPM conference was talking about the average working week in property management is 44 hours. Right. But it's 46 if you work at home. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. You know, you know, that's just so, that's where your productivity might be coming from. They're doing an extra two hours. That's why they seem yeah. to be as productive. But yeah. we don't have our staff working any more than 35 hours a week. Yeah, you know. So to us, that's where we start to adapt the flexibility. If, if people have personal problems, we're flexible with it. If they're ill, we're flex. You know, to me, flexibility comes in a different measure just than what we're hearing in the. You need to be flexible and let people work when they want to work. Yeah. 
whilst I can see some of the benefits in that, I think there are more benefits to being a different type of flexible in your employment. Good, good, yeah, definitely a positive slant on that and a flipping of the kind of the, the narrative, I guess. Yeah, I, I have to say when within CPL, we kind of, our entire development team work from home. I mean, there's two offices, one in Southampton, one in Glasgow, and you they can go to them if they want to. Southampton doesn't tend to get used much. Certainly in Glasgow, we're definitely in the office a couple of times a week. Um, but from our point of view, it was... And I think it's slightly different because I guess, I don't know what the percentage is. Um, you've obviously worked out your percentages, but I don't know what the percentage is, but a high percentage of developers in work in the UK work remotely. So if you go in and say, right, I need an office-based developer, your talent pool is going to be tiny. Um, so you actually, it becomes, you're kind of led by the rest of the market almost, yeah. you know what I mean? So it actually becomes quite difficult. But the one challenge is, is I, you know, it's that whole sitting in an office and learning by osmosis, isn't it? You kind of, you kind of, someone says something over there and you're, you're, you're working away and you're, you're, you know what you're working on, you're focused on it. But if you hear something, you'll go, oh yeah, um, I do, this is how you do this. Or I spoke to them last week kind of thing. You just lose that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we I don't have any challenges with people not doing their work. It's not a no. it's not a trust issue for me. It's about making sure that they're okay in themselves because it's a very difficult thing to walk. I mean, I do it at home. I mean, my study is off the is off the um, the kind of um, the hall from the kitchen, and you know, I have to walk past it dozens of times a day. It's very difficult not to just go in and kind of. Ping your laptop on again I, I, as well. Absolutely. And, which and, is and, a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the work-life balance buzzword again, you know, I, I personally would struggle with that work-life balance if my work was always in my house. Mm. You know, because as you say, even I don't, I think subliminally or subconsciously, your mind will not switch off. And I think, yeah. like you've talked about development, you said, I, absolutely, I think, I think there are definitely roles in industries, et cetera, where remote working and home working does work. Um, but but I think in a, an environment where you're very much speaking to the general public, yeah, every every that's that's predominantly your role, and yeah. a small percentage of that population um, are very very difficult. To me, that's where the the, the team environment of an office support it, yeah. it comes to the fore, and I think management, as you say, and and training is a very touchy feeling in the nicest sense of it. It's a very touchy-feely um, process. You know, it's very difficult yeah. to, you know, some of the best conversations I have had with with, with people in our organisation isn't in a meeting. You know, it's, it's, it's bumping it's bumping into them in the coffee shop or, yeah. you know, at days away or at, at nights out. You know, staff think when you actually get to know the person and you think, actually, I want to know more about that person. Yeah. You know, I want to. I, they look like they they've got some drive, some motivation. They want to progress. They want to do something. Yeah. So I'm going to look a bit further into them. Yeah. Whereas if, if I, I struggle through these teams meetings, where you don't quite get that because people are a bit reserved in teams meetings. They don't quite. There's an awkwardness when you even here today. You know, you're speaking and then I try and speak because I can't quite see your body language that you're ready to stop speaking. You know, yeah. and you know, so it, it creates a different environment. And I just think that certainly in this industry that we work in, that 
I would prefer, I, I prefer our people to go out and speak face to face to our customers. Yeah. So why, why should I expect them not to get the same from their manager or their, you know, you know, that's why we, where we see the better customer service coming. So surely we've got to, and to, there's a time and place for technology. And obviously yeah. in a technology led industry, that's it. But to me, technology benefits a lot of processes, etc. Yeah. I, I think if the time comes that technology that we're hearing about AI, to me that's that's a dangerous place to get because you will get businesses. If businesses and business owners were just in it for the money, yeah. then they would be they'd be looking at AI and saying, This is great, I can just input all this data into AI and I don't actually need anybody on the phone. Because AI yeah. will answer the question and I'll save loads yeah. of money. Or if everyone wants to work remotely, I'll just outsource my call centers like BT did years ago to, to another country and get it cheaper. But to me as a business owner, that's not what it's about. To me as a business, business owner, it's about creating employment. It's about having people coming to a job that not everyone loves a job, but they're coming into a culture that's friendly, that's family-orientated, that... Yeah. Is, is supporting the community by ways that we've talked about, whether it's doing functions or coffees or, or you know, to me that's the benefit of in person as opposed to anything else. I think from a from a person person centric point of view, that's that to me still. I would hate to see a world where that was lost. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and technology has its place, but you're right. It could also be a it could also be a massive negative. I mean. Uh, we're having this conversation, I think, this morning on another podcast. And, and um, you know, we get – in fact, I was listening. We had two new support guys start, team lead and another support. Team lead's up here, um, the other person's down south, start yesterday. And um, I was listening to the chat, and one of the um, support team members said that out of all of the co- out of all of the tickets we get in a day from a support perspective, three of them come in by phone. Okay? Um which is a quite small percentage. And it's like, and it's just so easy when you get an email to just email back rather than pick mm. up the phone. And that that has become just ingrained because that's the way people do things. And I'm like, but, you know, if you pick up the phone and talk to them, you can get deeper into the problem much, 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 much quicker. And it's funny you should mention AI. My, my eldest son is doing a master's in AI, actually. He's just, he's, Finished his exams, about to do his dissertation at Edinburgh. Um, he's a maths graduate, and um, we were having a conversation the other day about about these sort of things. So I, I remember three occasions in the last week where I've had to try and talk to someone at an organisation. One of them was for insurance, and one of them was for electricity, because apparently I have two meters in my house, but I don't. But I'm being billed for two. Um, and and the chatbot comes up, right? And I immediately just give it guff answer so I can talk to someone because yeah. I'm just not interested. I don't want to do that. You're, I'm paying you hundreds of pounds. I want to talk to someone. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. technologies, absolutely. unless you want it, it's, you know what I mean? And for, and for some people, it is what they want, but technology is great until there's a curveball. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, in property, there's always a curveball because no property is the same, no problem same, no customer is the same. The needs change every every customer that comes on. The property changes, and the needs of that property change. So, to me, taking out the human element of it by responding to emails and just constantly dealing with things in text, 
to me, that's where things go wrong, things are missed. You know, and we've talked about that before. You get a, a three-page email when, in actual fact, there's only one really important element of that email, and yeah. it's one line. You know, yeah. but it's missed because you're reading this. Whereas, if you just picked up the phone and said, "I've got your email," but is this the problem? Excellent. We'll get it. We'll get it fixed. Yeah, and that'll be and that and that's us. Rather than fifteen different back and forward to get to the point. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And something we should all we could all learn from it. Okay, so moving on, just last thing on recruitment, and you've kind of touched on this. Have you adjusted how you operate to accommodate the different demands of kind of the new generation, Gen Z or Gen Z, as we call them, or they are called? Uh, Yes and no, I suppose, is the best answer I can give you. I think over the last few years, as you know, we've we've done a lot of changes uh, internally, um, and a big part of that was trying to get the the decision-making coming up yeah. as opposed to only coming down. So I think that's a yeah. big thing that uh, listening to the staff that we've got, listening to the people that are on the ground um, and, and hearing how they think the things should be done. Yeah. Um, and, and unless there's a, a really uh, valid reason for why they're not done, we tend to see those decisions coming into the fore and, and being made coming up the way through our, what is our, our senior leadership teams. I, th- I suppose that's helping. Um we're moving into things like we're, we're looking at introducing, you know, more benefits, medical benefits, discounted goods, like on a, a portal where our staff can get access to loads of, of discounted oh, okay. um, products, cinema tickets, all, all of these kind of things. Um, as you know, we, we like to do a lot of, you know, culture-like things, have events, you know, you know, allow our staff to go days away or days out and we have a few... Uh, evening events as well. So a lot of team building stuff in that sense, giving the departments the autonomy to go away and do their own team building, you yeah, know, yeah. and the knowledge that that's supported by us as a, as a company. Um, what else have we got? Technology changes, as you say, moving forward with, with the, the difference in technology helps the generation that have been brought up with WhatsApp and brought up with not speaking to people. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's giving them the technology that they're used to whilst training them in the old school technology of speaking to someone, you know, that's, yeah. you know, there's, there's a mixture of trying to get them in that. But I suppose it, for, for the Gen Z, what you're talking about, the, the kind of transient people is, is trying to show them that, hey, you've got an opportunity here. There is a long-term uh, career in this organisation, but here's what you need to do. You know, it's not just you come along to the work and do your tasks that you're asked to do. Most people that progress successfully through business is, are the ones that come up with ideas or do something a bit differently or, or you know, try and change the way things are done, you know, or, or do things a bit, you know, go that extra mile. Um, and, and it's trying to encourage the kind of younger generation that that's, that's how you progress. You know, it's not just yeah. the case that you come in, do your jobs in six months' time, you get another X amount of money in a car, you know, you know, that, yeah. you know if, if, if that's the way the world goes, then, there will be no businesses at the end of, yeah. <laughs> you know, businesses will slowly stop operating because there's nobody willing to put their head above a parapet and drive it. You know, so I think yeah. that's, I think new generations bring brilliant ideas and brilliant energy, but I think in the last few years, I've seen them, I've seen a, a, a trend of people forgetting actually what works yeah. And, and trying to reinvent the wheel when there's no need to reinvent the wheel because yeah. it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the most important thing for anyone coming into this organisation is feel free and, and open enough to 
try things, to make mistakes, to bring ideas, you know, to us, and you, you know, you'll flourish. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. But you need to have that. There needs to be, you know, that trust and that confidence that go out and make a mistake. Nobody's going to blame you for something if you've been trying to make a mistake doing the right thing. Yeah. But, you know, if you're not failing, you're not learning, right? Actually, yeah, something absolutely. you said there reminded me of something else that Simon Sinek said in that podcast that I listened to. And that was that, you know, you got a, I don't know, Gen Z, let's say 20-year-old, walks into a company and there's a 25-year-old already there or 30 or whatever you want it. And the 30-year-old's on 40 grand a year or 20 grand a year, whatever the salary is, okay? And the, but the other one's not on as much. I think there's a genuine kind of, why am I not here? Why am I not at a higher level? And and the kind of answer was, you know, if the shit hits the fan at four o'clock this evening, I know that that guy over there is going to sort out for me. You, on the other hand, have no history of sorting things out for me when there's a problem. So you have no track record. And you need a track record. It's not just the fact that, you know, everybody... <laughs> Who does job A gets the same salary, and I think that's the that's the that's the fundamental thing. If you jump jobs from six months to six months to six months to six months, you've never actually built that trust in the employer that you're going to be there when the yeah. shit when when things happen. Yeah, I, I don't believe roles have value, Brian. I don't think yeah. roles have value. People have value. People. Yeah, and people should value themselves and and. Ha- and and have the knowledge that their value can increase, but that 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 depends on them. It also depends on working in an organisation that's open to opportunities and support. But as you say, yeah, just because someone's six months in the job, they might have ten years of experience that goes beyond anything else, and that's what they bring to the and that's it's the potential of what that experience out with your organisation brings to your organisation. So. It's, to me, it's always a value on on the person, you know, and, and moving our way through that. That obviously, if the minute you go to the that's role, that's the salary, no change. You're, you're just a production line, and and yeah. you lose the you you lose the, the encouragement for thought, the encouragement for development. You lose all that. It's just boom, boom, boom. Do that, do that, do that. Yeah.